0: Hello and welcome to episode 87 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and I have the pleasure today of being joined by Faith Corpy. Hi, Faith. Hi, Mike. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well, thank you.
0: Good. Faith, what do you like to be known for?
1: Hmm. Uh, I I would say being generally affable, (laughs) probably. (laughs)
0: that's quite a nice quality to, to want to be known for I think that you can't really go wrong in that sense
1: well you know that's kind of that's what I'm aiming for anyway I think professionally you know what I would like to be known for professionally I'm still kind of working on and the things that I am known for currently or kind of an accident so that's, I think that's, well, let's just go for affable.
0: So I want to get to, to those accidents a little, okay. little while later and understand how they came to be. But I think before that, I would like to, to go back a little bit. So uh, last week on this show, I was talking to John Syracuse and we were talking about um, being a geek and what that sort of stuff, uh, what that means to be a geek and the things that he was geeky about. So I kind of wanted to ask you to start, what are the things that you are geeky about? And do you have any sense of why?
1: Hmm. I I would say first and foremost, uh, movies is something that I am geeky about. And that is absolutely because of my parents and how I was raised. Um, my dad is a film professor. And my parents actually, they both went to film school together after they got married. So and they made um Documentaries. When my older brother and I were younger, and we traveled around with them, some. So that's just you can't help but take to the things that you know and the things that you grow up around. So I think that's that's definitely where that comes from um, for me. Um, the other one I would say is dance. And that also I blame on my mother, um, who who was also a dancer, um, and she had a, a ballet school. So those, so the, my two main things that I am geeky about are movies and dance, and those can be directly pointed back to my parents.
0: So with let's let's start with kind of your love of film, mm-hmm. considering it was obviously so prevalent in your family home, was. Was film and a sort of appreciation of film encouraged, or was it something that you just latched onto being as you were surrounded by it?
1: Um, it depends on what your definition of encouraged is. I mean, I, I think that because it was around so much, that's definitely would have been a way of encouraging it. It definitely wasn't like ever oh, now we're going to sit down and you're going to watch Lawrence of Arabia for the 300th time or anything like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't one of those like pushy parent scenarios where they take you to like film camp and make you do film camp. Like, you know, you see like those, you see those shows with like the the parents who are trying to get their kids to be tennis pros and stuff. And they make them play tennis for 12 hours a day.
1: Is that a real thing? I probably would have loved to go to film camp. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it probably a- <laughs> exists somewhere.
0: <laughs> but it's maybe more fun and less intensive.
1: Yeah, uh, no. No, not not really. It was kind of just something, you know, that was around. And, you know, my dad... Um, would always, you know, bring home um, from work the laserdisc player, and he would bring home like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and we would watch them on laserdisc. And it wouldn't be so much like kids, you know, gather around. We're going to do this. He would kind of just like put them on, and and he was always bringing home, you know, movies like that. So, I think that's that is the extent to which we were encouraged to have an interest in it.
0: And you mentioned dance as well. And if mm-hmm. I'm correct you teach ballet now, right?
1: I do. That's one well, that's one of the many things I do, but yes.
0: So did you dance as a child?
1: I yes, I started dancing when I was 3 and I have never stopped.
0: What made you decide you wanted to go into like to teaching a class?
1: Um well, you know there's that saying of those that can't do teach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yeah, there there's totally there's totally truth to that. Um you have to have a certain amount of gumption to be a professional ballet dancer uh, that I did not possess and do not possess um there were there were other things mixed in there, like um unfortunate injuries and et cetera but I think that even if that any of that hadn't have happened, I don't think that 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 was supposed to happen for me but um, I had always really liked teaching um and I think that's a combination between because I love dance so much and also because i I really like kids, so Um, I don't know, whatever, if you're a geek about anything, like the best part about it is getting to share your love of something with someone else. So I think that's, that's why I like teaching so much.
0: And in the doing of something that is related to it, doing it yourself, I think is quite important.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, um, ballet teachers and just dance teachers in general will be, you know, retired professional dancers. And I think that the the flip side of those who can't do teach is just those that can do can't necessarily teach. (laughs) And (laughs) so I don't really take that as second best that the thing that I'm good at happens to be teaching and not doing.
0: I imagine there's a little less of that, like grizzled nature about it as well. Because yes. I, I imagine, like a retired professional dancer, is is maybe a bit more stereotypical mo- the way you see in those sort of movies. You know, like they're the the grizzled veteran now, and, and I assume with you, there's obviously not so much of that.
1: No, absolutely, yeah. I I definitely you know don't have any um, bitterness to to pass on um, to my students. So.
0: Why do you think that out of everything in your life, all the things that you've loved throughout your life, as I'm sure, you know, like many people, you have things that that come and go. Why do you think that that a love of film and a love of dance have stuck around?
1: Uh, Because I I think that, well, those were the two most prevalent and also because I kind of have that built-in support system around those two things. Like my mom very much understands dance and film even though, to a lesser extent, and my dad very much understands film, so having those people around to kind of share with and encourage you it is huge.
0: And aside from um, teaching ballet, what other things do you do in your life that help you indulge in these in these pursuits in these the things that you're geeky about?
1: Uh, what do you? Hmm.
0: So do you do any other creative work that allows you to sort to immerse yourself in these things?
1: Well, I recently kind of combined the two um, if that's if that's what you're getting at. Hmm. Um, so I have a really hard time watching dance movies or just any sort of like dance production when it's filmed because there is this huge disconnect between, how a choreographer would stage something and how a filmmaker would film something. And to me, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be that different. So about a year and a half ago, I, it occurred to me, well, you know, I could choreograph something and I could film it and that would be, you know, just kind of a good exercise, even if it's just to prove to myself that it can be done. Um, and if it goes well, then maybe, you know, I could even use that to show other people and be like, you know, Hey, look, it's, it's really not that hard. So, um, So that's what I did. Um, My younger brother, who's currently in film school, he happens to be an awesome steady cam operator. And he also happens to have taken dance growing up, like I did. So he has an understanding of both. And he helped me make um, a short film that was just a dance that I choreographed for one of my students. And, uh, Yeah, that that was really the only reason I did that, honestly, was kind of just to prove to myself that that I could do it. But I to be able to kind of do both was I mean, I can't even tell you, like how big of a kick I got out of that.
0: So that short film is called Skinny Love, right? Mm-hmm. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about that in a moment because I because I want to understand a bit about the process but also there's a very interesting story that's kind that's of out of the back of you making that but just before I do I want to take a very quick break to thank our first sponsor for today's episode and that is Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off go to squarespace.com and use the offer code Tallyho3 that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 3. Squarespace are constantly updating their platform with new features, designs and more support. They have beautiful templates that you can get started with and tons of other style options that you can adjust so you can really craft your own space online. Everything is drag and drop so it's really easy to add content from your desktop and you can rearrange elements of content all within a live web page so you can see exactly how your site's going to look before you push it live. Squarespace makes sure that your site looks fantastic on any device because every single Squarespace site has its own unique mobile design. You can also easily connect loads of social and web services like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, and Google that allow you to push content out and bring content in to display on your site too. Squarespace also has their e commerce platform, Squarespace Commerce. If you want to set up and sell stuff with a shop, You can do this in just a few minutes. They have loads of cool other services that they integrate with, and Squarespace Commerce is now available on every single Squarespace plan. Squarespace is super easy to use, but if you need any help, they have over 70 employees that are dedicated to customer support on their customer care team, and they are all based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. They're also really active on Twitter too. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show, as I mentioned earlier, by using Tally Ho 3. As I said, it's going to get you 10% off. But just before we finish today, I just want to let you know just remind you that if you are currently a designer or an engineer and you're looking for a job, well, Squarespace are currently looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th, they're inviting potential candidates and their spouses to be New Yorkers for a weekend completely on them. So if you want to go and interview with Squarespace and check out New York, go to... Be a part of it, .squarespace.com, where you can find out a lot more. So thanks so much to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and Command Space. So, Faith, we you mentioned Skinny Love, which is the short movie that you made. It's like a three-minute movie, and mm-hmm. it is a, a dance, right? It's a, it's a dance piece. Is there a um, – this will probably show my lack of knowledge in these things – is there a theme is there something that it's about or is it just a dance that, that you choreographed
1: no I mean the reason that I I picked the song Skinny Love is because it's it's kind of abstract and I think you can kind of attribute you know whatever meaning you want to it um, so there there is no like explicit like narrative or meaning that I wanted anybody to take from it it's just sort of my interpretation of the song which which I don't even know if I could like tell you like in words there there is no writer like wrong way to interpret it I guess is what I'm trying to say
0: you make your own meaning of it so then therefore you make your own meaning of what the dance is about right
1: yeah exactly
0: so you mentioned that Obviously, you had this idea. It's something that you wanted to do, and you had your brother on hand to help you. But what is what was the actual process like? So when it came to recording the, the, the film itself, did you have a space that you wanted to use? And were you there as well? Like, were the three of you there working together? Were there more people involved?
1: No. Um. So the biggest... The biggest part of the process was um, actually choreographing the dance, teaching it to my student Marie, um, and then probably editing it. The actual filming process was the the least complicated and the least time consuming of the the whole thing. Um, I knew I knew from the beginning the kind of like look that I wanted. Um, And we had actually planned to film it in a library that um, is also a museum. It's on the campus of the university I went to. But um, that didn't end up working out because they had this giant mahogany table in the middle of the room that I wanted to use that they said they couldn't move because it's bolted to the the floor. Um <laughs> and so I was like okay well I don't I don't want to choreograph around this mahogany table um and the space wasn't large enough to use around it and then there was also the issue of you know it was a natural lit space um that had like very very high ceilings and stained glass windows so I didn't want to you know on the day that we were actually shooting, you know, have to worry about losing light and the light changing and all of that. And then there was also that it was a marble floor. And because Marie is going to be dancing on point, that kind of would have been a nightmare. So the stage that we ended up using was actually a last resort because after the library fell through, I probably went through about 10 other spaces that I wanted to use and then I kind of was just like oh screw it we'll just use we'll just use the stage but um I wouldn't do it any other way looking back on it um and we were so it wasn't the aesthetic that I was going for initially but um I mean it it ended up it ended up working out so then when we, once we were actually there, um, we had planned out, um, you know, the whole dance from beginning to end and the kind of the shots that we wanted. And um, my brother at the time had just kind of recently gotten into using the Steadicam, which um, for I don't know anybody who isn't familiar with what that is, it's basically a giant um, harness that the camera operator wears and it's just um, basically a way to easily um, maneuver the camera without there being any like handheld like motions. So we had kind of thought, oh, well, maybe it would just be fun to do, you know, two or three full takes just with the steady cam and just see what it looks like. Um, when really, you know, we had had the whole thing mapped out like, oh, we want a shot from here on the tripod. We want them from here and here and here and here. And then when we, fin- when we finished, and it only took, I would say, maybe about four hours, the actual shooting process. Um, and we went to the editing room to look at the footage. It turned out that the steady cam shots that we only did at the end, and we only did three were the best shots and that's actually what a majority of the film is is from
0: it's interesting that the choices that you ended up making were not necessarily the the way that you planned it out in in most senses no the location and, and then the way it was shot was not your original idea for it
1: no not at all like the circumstances um totally shaped what the film ended up looking like but now when i look at it I, you know it kind of makes me feel dumb a little bit because i'm like why in the world was i was i planning it any other way um but you know that's just that's just part of the the learning process
0: Are you still made you were the one who made the choices though so
1: well oh well, that's nice of you to say
0: <laughs> did you enjoy the whole process
1: Um, I, I did enjoy the whole process. I mean, I, I'm definitely the type of person that enjoys having finished a process, um, more than anything. Like I, I like accomplishments and I like accomplishing things. Um, the act of getting there is less enjoyable for me. But I think just because this was something that I had never done before, then I think maybe I enjoyed I enjoyed the process of this more than I typically would.
0: So something that's quite exciting, I think, that came off the back of you making this movie is that it's been featured in a commercial. Yes. How did this come to be?
1: Oh, this is so so incredibly random. So... My film is posted on on Vimeo. And I I just got a message on Vimeo um, from this guy that works at a production company. And he said, you know, they were making a commercial for an Olympic sponsor, and they wanted to know if I would be all right with them using a clip from my film in it. And um (laughs) and I You know, I was like, hmm, okay. First of all, I the first thing I did was I sent it to my dad um, <laughs> because, it's, I don't know, it, it just seemed like kind of an important thing to have gotten, like, you know, a little message in your Vimeo inbox about. <laughs> yeah, it so, seems
0: so strange. Like, it's instantly shady, especially because yeah. the, the agency's name is Stalker, right?
1: Yes, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is even weirder.
1: I know, I know. Well, without... It's like S-T-A-L-K-R, as if like leaving out the E makes a difference and well, makes, makes it, it less now. Creepy. That's, that's the
0: thing. It's, it's now cool and hip. That's, the, you know.
1: <laughs> um, so I sent it to my dad and he was like, yeah, sure. Um, and so I thought, okay. And then I quickly thought through, you know, who are the Olympic sponsors? Because they weren't going to tell me because they hadn't pitched the commercial yet. So it wasn't a sure thing and it wasn't even a sure thing if their pitch got picked up that they would use my clip. It was just that they couldn't use, they couldn't present any footage that they didn't know they could license. So I, I said yes, but honestly, I didn't expect to hear back from them like at all. Um, so after I said yes... Um, Uh, Like several days went by and I got an email from a different person at their company and they said, you know, okay, um, we're ready to go. The editor wants the clip and here's a pile of paperwork for you to sign. And still, I I didn't really have that that much information. You know, they just said, you know, we want to license this specific clip, which was about five seconds long. Um, and it was a non-exclusive license and, you know, they, blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm not even going to get into the details of it. But um, still, they, they didn't really tell me that many details. So we sent them the original file and I signed all the paperwork and that was that. I, of course, I, I wanted to ask them, you know, a million questions, but I also didn't want to be like, that person because like (laughs) i knew that they were you know like i didn't want to be i didn't want to be difficult and like i knew that they were on a time crunch and this this company they actually so they have they have an office in los angeles in london and madrid so that someone is always awake and working because they typically do have um you know such a short like turnaround times on these commercials that they do um, oh, I forgot to say, and this this is kind of important. Um, they also did um, the BMW commercial that aired like a bazillion like, a bazillion times during the Olympics. So I think for me that that was definitely why why I said yes, because they, they seemed to be um, real. Yeah, they seemed <laughs> to be real. And they made like a really baller commercial. So <laughs> I was like, sure, like, I will trust you with with this footage. Um, But yeah, so then I didn't know um, when I, the time that I found out what the commercial was and that they'd actually used it was when I saw it on television.
0: So you had no idea that it was going to be on? No. Or that, what the company was or anything? No. So how did you react? Because I I assume you were just watching the Olympics. Yep. And then you're, you're just watching the ads and your footage appears
1: yes and i i thought like i cannot i completely flipped out i completely flipped out my friend who was there watching with me i hadn't even told that this had happened um so they thought i was dying or something because they didn't see it on the tv (laughs) And I was not able to, like, formulate words to explain what had happened. So I was just, like, flying around my living room like a crazy person, like, trying to rewind on the remote. And then I paused it and was just, like, pointing. And yes. So.
0: And it was a Visa commercial, right?
1: It was a it was a visa commercial narrated by Morgan Freeman.
0: I have in my notes in capital letters Morgan Freeman voiceover. Like yeah. that's kind <laughs> of as good as it gets. And uh, you serve some Morgan Freeman words to to something that you had like created.
1: Well, the thing that was so funny is um, a lot of people have asked me like, were you sitting on your couch watching the Olympics, thinking that you might see it, and No, I wasn't at all. The only reason I was watching that commercial is because I always watch Visa commercials and I especially always watch Visa commercials if Morgan Freeman is narrating.
0: Because there are so many circumstances in which you would have never seen this.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, And to this day they have not i have not talked to them again because
0: they don't care about you now Like (laughs) you're not important (laughs) anymore they got what they needed so they moved on i know but
1: so (laughs) so in theory like i could have missed that and i would not know that that happened
0: can you remember what what's what was happening in the olympics at the time like what event were you watching
1: it was it was during the, the closing ceremony. Oh. And, yeah, and it was the commercial that they made specifically for the closing
0: ceremony. So oh, they wow. don't
1: even, it's not even, like, being re-aired.
0: So, oh, because I, I wasn't sure it was that. I thought it might have just been randomly for the games. So if you didn't watch that one specific thing, then you never would have seen it.
1: Nope.
0: Huh. <laughs> what a, it's such a strange, like, sort of... um interesting chain of events that led to this
1: well what was funny is once i composed myself i immediately called my brother who um lives in california so he's two hours behind so he it the olympics weren't even on yet so i told him and then i called my mom who also had been watching and she saw it but I hadn't told her that this had happened again, because I didn't, I did. I wasn't sure like how real it was. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think it's funny that not only was I watching, but my mom also happened to be watching and she was like, I was just texting you to say I saw your dancer on television.
0: So she just it was the same person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they cast her for a musical. <laughs> so you mentioned the choreography. Mm-hmm. And this is something that that I'm interested in, like to understand a little bit more. So this was a like a three minute dance, right? In total, mm-hmm. how long does it take for somebody to learn that?
1: Um. Well, with with a dancer like at the level that Murray is at, um, as they can learn it as quickly as you can teach it, um. I work a little bit differently than some choreographers do and I don't pre-choreograph things. Like I don't, you know, stay in my living room and listen to a song over and over and like choreograph the dance in my head and then go in and teach it to the dancer. I I very much like to work with the people I'm choreographing for. So I don't I don't choreograph things until mm. I am teaching it to her. So that's why I say she she can learn it really fast. It's just, it was more of a question of how fast could I choreograph it?
0: So now I have a million more questions now. Okay. So <laughs> you, you choose this. You knew it was going to be the song, right? That was the song you chose and you knew it was going to be that one. Mm-hmm. You didn't like just like randomly put your iPod on shuffle and be like, we'll do it. To no. This. Okay. Um, so had, you had no sort of thinking going into it of the type of movement you'd like to see
1: well no I mean I definitely had an idea because that's how I pick a song like I can't choreograph to a song that I can't see dancers in my head I just I don't try to like nail that down or fix, sort it all out before I'm actually in the studio working with the dancer or the dancers
0: how do you record what's happening so it can be like practiced if if you're doing it live like that, are you writing it down? Are you videoing it? How does that how does that work?
1: You mean how do we how do we keep track of the choreography? Yeah. She remembers it. I mean, they my students, they know this about me. Once I teach it to them, I don't remember. So they have to remember it. How they do that, I don't know. Some of them write it down. Sometimes, um, for my own sake and just kind of as a safety net I will like film them with just with my phone you know at the end of each session but um I don't I don't actually do that a lot I I did that more for Skinny Love than I normally do for any typical dance because I also I needed to look at it to be able to start thinking about how I wanted to shoot it
0: there's something so artistic in that to me like that you're kind of like you just create the thing and then it could go away forever Mm -hmm. because you you can't remember it or you you don't write it down there's something so interesting in that like so then it becomes the dancer's responsibility to remember it and if they forget it well it's gone now
1: well you know a lot of time there have been a lot of serendipitous moments in that too because a lot of times um you know, we'll go, we'll get into rehearsal and I'll put on the song and, you know, they'll start doing it. And then I'll be like, is that how I taught it to you?
0: <laughs> Cause I don't think that's right. <laughs>
1: yeah. And they're like, uh, we think so, but like, they'll just end up like maybe doing something a little bit differently or, you know, putting their own like flair on it. And then it ends up being like 10 times better than what I originally had choreographed. So I don't know. I kind of like leaving a certain amount of it just kind of like up to fate.
0: Well, I guess you see it from a fresh eye every time then as well. So they because if they remember Because I don't it.
1: remember it. Yeah. yeah. So they come
0: to you like, <laughs> "No, that's not right." And it might have seemed right before, but now you see it totally differently.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times too like I'll go in and they'll do it and I'll be like what the heck that no like no that's
0: who gave you that not
1: gonna work <laughs> and they're like that's you did that and i'm like no i
0: don't think so <laughs> i don't believe you yeah <laughs> so how does it so what, you, you put the music on and, and you, you start the process
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you know what to do do i mean that's that's what i i I, do do as you're listening to the music do you envision the moves or like do you just call out do this or how does that work like how when you're listening to the music do you actually start to craft the movement
1: um i'm gonna try to answer this without sounding like a total crazy person okay um good luck but (laughs) yeah (laughs) but kind of like i said how i said like i can't i can't pick a song unless i can see like dancers like in my head, I actually refer to those as the dancers in my head. And once I'm in the studio and I see the dancers that I'm working with, I am able to kind of reference the dancers in my head more closely. And I stand there and I play the music as many times as I need to. And eventually... I'm able to see the dancers standing in front of me as the dancers in my head and I just will say something or I'll just do something for them and I'll be like, yeah, I think that works and then they'll do it and we just do that over and over and over until we're finished.
0: In a way, that kind of makes sense to me. Okay. Because I've always, maybe this is a a very, like an artistic kind of dream, but I've imagined that the people that can create great things and that can just visualize them so like writers can visualize the characters in their stories and directors can just visualize how a movie's going to play out so that kind of makes sense to me in a way that you just put on the music and you can imagine how you want the end product to be you can see it happening in front of you so I guess that's how you just pick it that way right so it's your imagination that guides the the dance
1: exactly exactly and and I've I think that the reason I don't pre choreograph things is because I found that that hinders that process so much it like if I go into the studio knowing that I want to do something then my focus is not on like the imaginary aspect of it at all and it's more on learn these steps and I just think that's kind of I just think ultimately that hinders at least my creative process
0: did you enjoy the process of making the movie enough that you would do it again?
1: Oh, how funny you should ask me that. <laughs> um,
0: because we're I... doing one right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, actually, we, we did another one. Um, and we filmed it in October of last year. And we just finished editing it this past week. And so that will I'm ready to put my second film out into the world sometime probably this coming week.
0: Why are you making these movies?
1: <laughs> That's a good uh, because because I want to. Um, and like, I, I don't know. I. I have a, I have like ideas all, all the time and. I don't. I don't know if you if you have like a lot of friends that are like creative types, but something that really aggravates me is when like you'll hear people talk about ideas that they have like all the time, but then they never do anything about it.
0: Oh, I am one of those people. Oh,
1: get over it, Mike. That's <laughs> yeah, terrible. Yeah, I know.
0: It's, it, it's bad. I have, I've got this great idea, and then I get like a week into the work of it, and then it just goes away.
1: No, yeah. So I I realized that I. I was turning into one of those people yep. by just being so um, loudly critical of how dance is filmed. And then I was like, uh, hey, I can dance and I can film. So maybe just like shut up about it and make one yourself and like actually do something about it. So
0: putting your so money where your mouth that's is.
1: That's why. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, it's easy to fall into that trap i think because i think creative people have so many ideas and every single idea seems like a great idea so you start progressing them and then just then another idea happens i think it's a for people that make anything especially like a creative like you know artistic project in some way i think that idea and i think i think the internet is a part of it and the tools that we have at our disposal because we can actually start and do a lot of these things so it's not the case of just like oh I have an idea and then I start looking at it and I can I could never afford to do this it's like everything's so accessible that you can actually just everything feels within your grasp so you can just go out and start to make something and sometimes it just doesn't pan out because the idea was never really that great in the first place
1: yeah I mean I, I I'm not I'm not saying that you know every every idea and is you know attainable or or doable but for for me it, it very it very much was you know yeah. this this was pr- on a relatively small scale and i had all of the resources i needed to do it and so it, it was just a matter of just getting it done
0: and maybe more importantly you had the skills and the talents Already, you, you know these things. I mean, I think that that's a big thing that stops people from making something is like, okay, I want to make this website or this project, and I don't know how to write code. So I would need to learn that first. And oh, I don't want to do that. But you you knew how to do most of the things that you would, the key things that you needed to know to get this done.
1: Well, true, but but also, like, I, you know, I, I knew the people, too, like, that I needed to help me yeah. get it finished. Like, I could never have done the actual filming myself. Well, I mean, I could have, but it, it certainly wouldn't be what it turned out being. And, you know, obviously, like, I couldn't have danced the way that um, Marie did. So, I don't know. I think... I think a lot of times like I don't know i I wouldn't want that to be like the stumbling block for people like, oh, you know you wanna you wanna make a website, but you don't know how to write code well, find some like so find somebody who does yeah. you know maybe that's more like
0: important, that, like yeah knowing the people you need,
1: mm-hmm, yeah,
0: so as well as being a you know filmmaker and a, and a dance teacher people on the internet may know you as a podcaster too
1: they, they probably they they probably do yes
0: that's probably everybody that knows you on the internet so that's where they know you from
1: yes absolutely
0: well you know now you're a you're in commercials so that's totally different
1: you know? yeah but no only people <laughs> who listen to podcasts know that
0: <laughs> so you have been involved in two podcasts that, that are strikingly similar and we'll, we'll talk about why in, in a bit bit you were originally on a show on 5 by 5 called Geek Friday. Mm-hmm. And this is a show... How long ago did that start?
1: Oh. I... Uh, long, I don't even know. Ago.
0: Let me see. I can find out for you because I've got the page.
1: I want to say 2011, but I think maybe that's not right.
0: No, that is correct. Uh, September okay. 23rd, 2011 was episode one. Okay. So there were a few episodes that you did uh, with Dan Benjamin, and then you then the host changed over and you had Jason Seifer get involved. hmm How when when how long into the show was it was it until Jason became your co host?
1: It was only nine episodes, I think.
0: And how did that come to be? Like how did you meet Jason um and how did he end up working with you to create the show?
1: Um it that was all Dan that was a um you know hey you should talk to Jason and I think Jason would be really good with you on this show. Um so he Dan told Jason to call me and I think I was initially a bit abrasive to him. <laughs> Who are <laughs> and, you? Get
0: off my show. <laughs> uh, yes.
1: And I think I made him work a little, you know uh, hard mm-hmm. to kind of win when me over but um which oh, is funny saying telling you that about jason now because he loves being challenged <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it was kind of he, the perfect thing for him
1: yeah it re- <laughs> yeah it, it really was so i mean i i don't know and Jason had done podcasts with Dan in the past, so that's how, that's how they knew each other. But he, he, at the time of kind of like um, handing the baton of Geek Friday, Jason wasn't doing any other shows and um, Dan really wanted him back on the air. So I think, again, that was just kind of a serendipitous kind of thing. And I remember Dan said to me, I have no idea if you're going to like this guy or if you're going to get along. <laughs> Um, and I was like, okay, well, I'll talk to him. Um, and he, he didn't shy away from, you know, me being a little bit standoffish at first at at all. And he rose to the occasion and he can be very, um, funny and charm, not can be, he is very funny and can be very charming. So that's, yeah, it just kind of seemed right. We just kind of clicked.
0: And. You recorded Geek Friday for, for nearly 100 episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, over the course of the run of the show, how much did it deviate from the original idea? Or did it not? Did it kind of stick true to, to what you set out to create in the first instance?
1: There, there. Honestly, there wasn't ever really that much of a plan laid out for what Geek Friday was going to be. Um, like we kind of had like a loose idea built off of the name. Um, so it'll I mean, be I would geeky say- and it will be
0: on a Friday. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you laugh, but I'm not kidding. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say a lot, um, because Jason and I like could not be more opposite. Um, which at first we were kind of you know or at least I was kind of like I don't know that I don't know that this is this is going to work but you know as it turns out I think that's actually what makes it interesting and why people like listening to it
0: so you you and Jason still record together but you have launched a show like kind—I of, I don't know if spin-off's the right word to use but you've relaunched the show or what was that called in movies when they Hmm. Reboot? Reboot. You've rebooted the show into IRL Talk, which is an independent show now. Um, right. What made you decide that you wanted to go down that route?
1: Um. I mean, I, I think that... I, I think there's just, like, a certain a certain point in every podcast's life where you realize you don't need training wheels anymore. Yeah,
0: I think all shows go through a point where it's like, we just need to start again. Like, this show... There was like 117 episodes of a previous show that just became this show. Like it just comes to a point like we need to start again now because we've learned so much. Let's just start afresh. And there's a certain liberation to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was it was more that, you know, we wanted we wanted to do it. On our own, but it also kind of gave us a chance to, you know, start over and, you know, just go back to episode one. And it was a good point, you know, to kind of like gain new listeners and um, just, yeah, just just kind of start over. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a different. It's basically like we reupholstered. <laughs> and, <laughs> But that's that's really all we did.
0: What are your favorite things about the new show? Um, well, that it's like the old show, but fifty percent better. Well,
1: <laughs> I think you mean, what do I like about the new show in comparison to Geek Friday? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I I, I like that it's something that we do on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like our theme music better
0: theme music's awesome I,
1: oh thank you again my brother did that hmm. um yeah but i i just like i just like that that it's ours yeah. uh, you know and we we are solely responsible for it uh, because i mean the kind of what makes up the show is base it's the same it's the same exact thing as geek friday i just i i like i like having um i don't know feeling feeling like it's it's yours and it's not just something like you host
0: yeah no i get that i 100% get that like because it's Mm -hmm. you've been given the ability as a creative person as a creator of the show to feel like you created the show as opposed to the show was created for you and you took over
1: Right, right. Exact exactly. Because that way, you know, too, it's like, well, you know, we no one's gonna no one else is gonna do this like if, if we don't. Like it, it's it's our it's our responsibility.
0: So what do you like about podcasting as a medium?
1: Um well I am quite <laughs> um camera shy. <laughs> so even even um, you know going through like film school, there was always kind of like that um, subsect of students who were you know always like ready to get in front of the camera like when needed and all of that. And I was like, uh, you know, get th- get that away from me. Um, so I I like um, the hidden aspect of podcasting. Yep. <laughs> um. Um but also I, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of how to to explain this. I, I just I like I really like conversations and I really like listening to people. And I like I like the idea that, you know, you can be having um a, a really, really serious, you know, conversation or a not so serious conversation um that these people on the internet that you don't even know, you know, um are having and it's just can be in the background or you can be intently listening i feel like i'm not really making sense no you
0: are because it's really you're doing as good a job as anybody that makes podcasts can try and explain (laughs) it because it's so difficult like there's a there's a voyeurism to it in a a way like especially with the shows that are more casual Mm -hmm. where it is just a couple of friends having a conversation you know when they're not like reporting the news of the week -hmm. Um, Where it's kind of like you, where the podcast the hosts don't address an audience at all. That there's there's an interesting element of it that way, and I think it's very interesting in the way that people engage to their favorite podcasts. So like I have some friends that that I know that do podcasting and also write, and maybe known for their writing, but get a lot more sort of feedback and interaction from the people that listen to their shows instead because there's this attachment to the voice that i think people get that doesn't necessarily come through when you just read something that could be written by anybody because you put your own voice on it
1: no absolutely absolutely um that is you know oftentimes (laughs) the writers are also podcasters and um i i write as well and a challenge a challenge that presents itself there for me is that when you're writing something, you know, you can rewrite as many times as you want. And I am very much an (laughs) overthinker and I, you know, internalize everything. And I, I like to be able to really, really um, give a lot of thought and attention to anything that I kind of like put out into the world or in this case, the internet. Um, And so that's, that's a little bit challenging for me going from writing to podcasting because you have to be a little bit quicker, you know, on your feet than I w- tend to like to have to be.
0: See, I, I, in an interesting way, the reason that I don't really like to write so much or I find it difficult is because in the same way the amount of care that I take when I do write, like it, I can speak something so much faster than I could ever want to write it. And it may take me having to go back over myself and correct things that I'm saying as I'm talking. But this process is so much easier than the constant re-editing that I do if I ever want to write a blog post. I can just speak it in in 10 Hmm. minutes and it's done instead. Which is, it might just be something that's unique to me because I like the end result of writing, but the process um, can drive me kind of crazy.
1: No, yeah, that's that's really interesting because for me... um, even the conversation we're having now is a, is a perfect example. You know, I will later like go back and think about like, okay, what, like, what were we talking about? Did I adequately uh, explain what I was trying to explain? Could I have said things better? Um, but again, you know, my day job is writing writing, and editing. And so I think <laughs> that that kind of maybe hinders the, um, podcasting side of my life a little bit
0: or makes it better depending on how you look at it
1: true True. there's probably some give and take on both sides of course
0: now I want to take uh, another quick break and then I want to talk to you very briefly about the stuff that you write because I know it's another part of your life so our second sponsor this week is the fine folks over at FreshBooks so it's tax time if you're not using FreshBooks your life is probably a mess right now Tell me if this sounds right for you. You're currently hunting for receipts, digging through old invoices, going through every record one by one. Well, it's the worst. FreshBooks will make this awesome. They are a simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. With FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a couple of clicks. Plus, you can work from anywhere with FreshBooks' mobile apps for your phone or your tablet. The sooner you start using FreshBooks, the sooner you can start focusing on the work you love. Focus on your work and not your paperwork. So some things that I know that people that use FreshBooks will say, you know, that they wish that they would have started using this right at the start because it would have saved them a tonne of headaches and that when it comes to looking at things like invoices they can send them through to people they can track them they can monitor how their progress is they can see if people have opened them and they're able to pay and they're able to have their clients pay them online instantly so there's no hassle and there's no mailing of checks or anything like that it just makes your whole process much easier if you own a business or if you work independently FreshBooks can take a lot of the pain out of not just tax time but when it comes to all sorts of uh, Money related issues. So, for a limited time, you can try FreshBooks for free for 60 days. To get started, visit getfreshbooks.com and enter Command Space in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So there, So this is an extended 60-day trial. So it allows you to check it out during this time of the year and make it sure that FreshBooks is right for you. So as I said, go to getfreshbooks.com, enter Command Space in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. So thank you to FreshBooks for supporting 5 by 5 and Command Space. So Faith, you mentioned writing. What do you write?
1: Well, professionally, I, I'm a copywriter. Um, so... Nothing, nothing too interesting. It's not um, a lot of times. Well, if I, if people ask me like, oh, what's a copywriter? I normally say, oh, well, like Peggy Olson and Mad Men. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yep. but actually, I you know I don't I don't sit around and come up with you know quippy taglines. Well, um, I write a lot more like heavy like content. That. Yeah. Um, but that's just. That's just what I do. Um, you know, that's my, my nine to five job. Um, other writing I like to do, I mean, I, I, I have a blog that I like to write, I don't know, just sort of whatever, whatever sort of whim I happen to have. A lot of it is about movies and music and things like that. Um, but also, uh, you know, I do aspire to be an author, so I have been working on um, some fiction for some time that I'm hoping 2014 will be the year I finally finish that.
0: Is that something that you're working on actively or is that more of a project that you come to every now and then, the fiction writing?
1: It it had been until this year. Um, and now it's kind of the next thing that I'm really really focusing on and um working on regularly with the intent of wanting to finish it by the end of this year
0: i know that you also um you cover events like South by southwest for popmatters.com yes so how does that sort of thing come about or why why do you do that
1: um i mean that that came about just because I wanted to be able to go to these events. Um, and so I kind of, you know, just thought, oh, well, hey, I bet I could go and cover them like for someone. So that's how um, I, I started working for for Pot Matters. And then that ended up, I think that was like four years ago is when I first started writing for them. Um, and then I kind of just uh, never stopped. So, uh, yeah, I do, um, the Austin film festival for them and South by Southwest and, um, concerts every now and then. So, um, I love your yeah. honesty,
0: like, cause the honest answer is I wanted to go to South by Southwest and, and needed somebody <laughs> to help me with that. Like that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just love it. Cause this was, it was what I had assumed. Because you don't seem to, it's not like you, you write for this website constantly, but it seems no. like you just, you write about some cool events and stuff that happen. And I guess the benefit for them is you're the, you're in Austin, so mm-hmm. it's easy for them. And if you're good, which you clearly are, then everyone's a winner.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I know that's kind of silly to be like, well, I wanted to go and I needed I needed a way to go. But honest to God, that is exactly what happened. <laughs>
0: Do you I mean I don't know how south by southwest works. I've, I've not been myself. Do you as a writing for press do you get to jump lines or do you have to queue like everybody else? does?
1: Um, you do it south by southwest and that's actually something that they pride themselves in is um, equality. Mm. So <laughs> yes. Um, but that's but that's fine because actually standing in standing in lines is is my favorite part. Um of South by Southwest, which anybody who listens to either of my podcasts will will know. I'm, I'm very fond of making um, uh, line friends, as yeah. I like to call them.
0: Or line enemies in some instances.
1: Well, you know. <laughs> See, either way, it's short-lived, so it really doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what you're lining or queuing for, as I would say. Yes, yeah. So, how do you feel about South by Southwest? now? Because I know that people, it seems to be getting a lot of criticism as yeah. an event.
1: Well, see okay, I think that the interactive portion of South by Southwest has been getting a lot of criticism but I don't think that that portion has ever been that good, if we're being honest. Right. So the part that I go to is, has always been the film festival um, which remains very very good So, um, I mean, it is kind of the whole, the festival as a whole is kind of, um, getting very, very large and hard to control, but so is Austin as a city too. So, um, it kind of, you know, had a, both the festival and our city kind of had a growth spurt that nobody was anticipating or ready for. So, um. I think it's just a lot of growing pains is the complaints that you you hear.
0: Because I see there's like, an in in regards to the music part, it's interesting this year because iTunes are now doing the iTunes Festival at Southwest, Southwest, which is kind of counter to a lot of the idea of the music there, right? It seemed to be like a lot of undiscovered bands, but now it's like, I don't think you can get more discovered than the iTunes Festival. It's like Coldplay is playing, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. It hasn't... But that part, um, that part of the festival has kind of um, been changing for the past, you know, right. several years. It was, it was always, you know, a place for indie bands to come and kind of like get discovered. And it, you know, people wanted to go to South by because they wanted to be able to say that they saw, you know, oh, I saw that band three years ago at when South by, like when they're <laughs> when they get really big. Yes, yeah. I know, that's insufferable, <laughs> but true. But, but. Then, you know, when it started growing, um, artists who are kind of already established wanted, you know, to start and come too. So I think it was like three years ago, um, like Kanye showed up and like played a pop-up show in um, this abandoned power plant we have downtown.
0: (laughs) Obviously. (laughs)
1: obviously he powered it
0: himself of his own (laughs) ego (laughs) i know and then
1: like last year like justin timberlake showed up um and he wasn't even like an. i don't yeah he played shows everywhere and he wasn't even really like an official act so that's it that's kind of a bummer honestly because it, it does take a lot of the spotlight away from these bands that are like coming here in hopes of being discovered um but Again, it's just, it's growing pains.
0: What are you looking forward to at South by Southwest in this year?
1: Um, Specifically, I am looking forward to the special screening of the Grand Budapest Hotel Mm -hmm. um, because Wes Anderson himself will be there. Um, Yes. Uh, And I am a very, very big Wes Anderson fan. Um, And they, I think... Because that film is being released here um, in the U.S. the opening weekend of South by, I think the people who run the film festival realized that they needed to do something really special surrounding it or else people would leave the festival to go see it.
0: <laughs> right. Yes. Because it's that kind of the, the, there's too much of a mix. The, the, sorry, the match for the crowd is too perfect. Right. You have to kind um, of lock them in.
1: Yeah, and Wes Anderson actually went to the film school at the University of Texas here in Austin, so that is um, very fitting for them to do something like that for him.
0: Because it kind makes sense. So, Faith, thank you so much for joining me today. It You're very a, welcome. It has been a pleasure to have you. Um, where can people sort of keep in touch with the things that you do and sort of follow you online? Where's where's a good place to go for that?
1: Well, um, IRL talk.com that is my current podcast that i do with jason cipher my personal blog is faitharena.com and then i am a huge twitter fan Uh, so i am also faith arena on twitter
0: and if you want to find the links to to all of that stuff you can go to uh, the show notes today which are at 5x5.tv slash cmd slash 86 Again, Faith, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you. And uh, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Command Space. If you want to find me online, of course, I'm on Twitter too. And I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E, if you'd like to do that. So thank you again for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.